I'm Luca Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. Yeah. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the What up, what up? You are locked on to Dallas Mavericks. This is Isaac Harris. I'm one of your co-hosts of this podcast. I'm a contributor to Mavs.com. And since I'm obviously doing this intro, that means Nick Angsthead is not uh, doing the pod today. So you get just me again. I'm sorry if you hate my voice or uh, if you just don't like me on podcasts, this isn't your pod. Um, I would just say you could go 30 seconds ahead, but there's no, you just turn the pod off if you don't like my voice, but hopefully you downloaded, you're listening and we got to talk about this Lakers game. Unfortunately, it was a loss for the Dallas Mavericks in, in LA on a second night of a back-to-back. If we're just being completely honest right now, I don't care about this game a ton. Just, I'm not mad coming out of this game. I obviously want to beat the Lakers. I hate the Lakers. I'm not a big fan of LeBron. That's a newsflash. Can we just take a moment? Shout out to LeBron. I mean, after such a devastating, just a gruesome, I know super painful injury on Christmas Day that really hampered him against the Clippers. You saw tweets about it after the game from ESPN, Rachel Nichols, and you know Brian Windhorst, just about how the injury just you know, it was really hampering him. And I just, I mean, it's just crazy how well he played, and just seeing him play tonight, just the fact they even played. You know, just a short time after Christmas tonight in LA against the Mavericks and in Portland was just, um, I mean, unbelievable performance. And so shouts to LeBron through for playing through such a, a, a hardcore injury. It almost looks like he's not even that hurt, but he's, uh, he's rolling through it, pushing through. So shouts to you, LeBron, but yeah, the Lakers uh, pulled out this win. It was, it's just kind of a weird game. It, honestly, it was ugly. I hated every bit of uh, just how the game kind of ended. Just the feel of the game was really weird. The Lakers, it felt like the Lakers had a 10 to what, 14 point lead for almost the entire game. It felt like, uh, I felt like they started that way with the 10 to 14 point lead from opening tip. I think if you count in the refs, maybe that was uh, the goal of it, but Hey, we do not talk about referees on this podcast. Definitely more mad about the referees in the first Lakers matchup in Dallas. But, you know, this is obviously the third time they've played the Lakers this season. Uh, The Lakers' best record in the Western Conference is just huge. When you have uh, another top team in the Western Conference like Dallas. And, um, yeah, I mean, that first Lakers matchup, that was the one I was at with my dad. We attended as fans. I didn't do any media stuff for that game. And, I mean, I was so mad. I was so pissed off after that game. Uh, just what happened with the refs at the end of that game. That was the game that Danny Green hit the overtime shot. The game that Dwight Howard held Seth Curry on that shot. Went in overtime. Lakers pulled that out. Dallas should have won that game. The first match of the season, Luka, LeBron, all that. Second matchup, you know, was just not too long ago. Mavericks had going to L.A., and Luca outduels everybody, and they they win by 14 points in LA. Huge win, big time win. Uh, one of my favorite, if not my the favorite win of the season for me. 
So yeah, you you come out of those two one and one, and then you head into tonight's game, and you know it. I don't want to do the whole excuse thing, but there was a, you know a lot of stuff that played into it. Dallas didn't seem like themselves in this game, from just energy wise, from to decision making. I thought there was a lot of bad decision making in this game from from Mavericks players, whether it's shots, passes, uh, turnovers. Luca had six turnovers himself tonight. I'm pulling up the box score right now. Uh, one of my tabs on total turnover. You know, 18 turnovers tonight. I think Lakers had 16. So it just it looked like that they they were playing their third game in four nights, and that's what they what they you know just did. And you know they played what on Thursday night. They had Friday off, and then they traveled you know to California. Played Saturday night in you know in Golden State in the new Chase Center. Then they play the Lakers. So third game. Obviously, it's Luca's third game back from his injury stuff. He looked kind of off. He obviously had the big, you know, the the foul, the fall down with Dwight and all that stuff, which I agreed with how that that call played out. By the way, I was wanting it to be a flagrant, and uh, it wasn't. So hard fall for Luca. I was kind of worried about him for a second, but he came back after the second half. So. I'll talk a little bit about the game today. Obviously, Tim Hardaway Jr. got hurt in this game. He's a key piece to this team. I'll talk a little bit about that. <laughs> talk about. I feel like a reporter at this point. But, yeah, I'll talk about a little bit with that, what it looks like in standings, what this upcoming uh, trip or what this upcoming schedule looks like, uh, possibly without Tim Hardaway. And then at the end, I'll kind of talk a little bit about what the schedule for the pod looks like this week as I've talked uh, as both Nick and I on yesterday's podcast, uh, which a ton of y'all listened to yesterday, which is crazy for a Sunday. But um, yeah, you can go listen to that as we talked about the Golden State win. I guess it was. My games are running together at this point. But basically the schedule for us this week is going to be kind of weird as Nick is home for the holidays in Ohio and visiting with family. And uh, I'm literally in less than 24 hours hopping on uh, – yeah, going on a ski trip to Colorado. It's where I'll be in snow. I love snow. I miss snow. Uh, yeah, leading a church trip up in Colorado for a whole week, a ski trip, all this different stuff. But taking the podcast stuff because we have to do at least a couple of pods. So you might not get an everyday pod this week, Monday through Friday. We're trying to warn you now because it, it is true. And we love this. We love that this podcast has become part of your routine. If, if our pods don't drop at midnight, some nights we will start to get DMS or tweets at us saying, where's the pod? Have you dropped it? And we love that. That's awesome. Uh, it shows that, you know, people obviously want the content. So we're happy for that. So keep doing that. But anyway, if you don't see something in your mailbox or whatever you want to say, whatever you call it, then that's why you can tweet one of us too. Uh, we'll tweet back at you and tell you, hey, yeah, we had to take off that day. You're definitely not going to have a pod, uh, podcast on New Year's Day. I know that's not happening uh, for sure. Maybe New Year's Eve, but I'm not for sure about that yet. Actually, I might do a trade pod on one of those days. Looking at some trade topics, um, traded or trade possibilities. I don't know. We love talking about that. I love digging into all that stuff. So I might do one of those pods for Tuesday or Thursday, depending on. We'll see. But let's take a first break of the podcast. And then let's dive into a little bit of this game. All right. So, yeah, this game was just a weird game. It I thought it was ugly for both teams in a sense, especially um, in that second half. 
I just don't think it was that enjoyable. Just even I went and checked a couple of Lakers Twitter people. They didn't seem like they were really enjoying the game either. Lakers had their chance to pull away from this game and really kind of put the game out of hand. They never did. Dallas had a chance to go on a run a few times. They never did. It's just neither team felt like they could capitalize on uh, the opportunities really. But there were a few before I get into the Tim Hardaway stuff. I thought Dorian Finney-Smith played another good game, even though he is minus 11 plus minuses and everything, but had 12 points, three of five from the three point line. I thought he played pretty good, dang good defense on LeBron at times. He you know hit those back to back corner threes there in front of the bench. Both of them are in front of Dwight Howard on the bench, which is always amazing. And that second three, I get, you know, they're probably saying something to him before he's shooting it. And uh, he hit that second one and you could see Dwight Howard uh, kind of kick out his leg, like get out of here. And uh, I'm just, I, I can't, I'm just so happy to see Dorian Finney Smith make three pointers. And when you, you know, obviously covering the team and stuff and you see, you know, you've seen these guys in locker room at, uh, after practice different times. And even though, you know, obviously we're not best friends and know everything that goes into, you know, the work that they put in, we do know a lot of things that these players do work on and put the time in, you hear about it, you hear stories from people that would know. And just, I mean, Dorian Finney Smith has put so much work into this shot and I get, he's not shooting 45% from three, but where he's at right now, just as a player, his confidence. I think he's playing the best basketball of his career. And Tim Cato had a, a quote or a, a quote, a tweet during the game. And uh, whether he was joking or not, he's like, man, I didn't see Dorian Finney Smith becoming the third best Mavericks player this year. And I think that's a real conversation. And whether you want to say, hey, Dorian Finney Smith, because of the all around game that he's bringing, the improved three point shot, whilst you know, while being honestly, this is not a reach, one of the best young defenders in the league. I think he really is. And and then you combine it, you know, some of Tim, Tim Hardaway Jr. And so I just, he's having an incredible season and just, he's one of those. And I'll do the selfish plug here again. I wrote a longer story about him on maps.com about him being the pit bull for this Mavericks team. The front office loves him. And just, I mean, he's been here for a while now. It's crazy. He's kind of like a Salah Mesri type guy. That you look back and like, dang, you know, four years or, you know, and we're going to look back again. It's like six years. He's been here for six years. Holy crap. Dorian Vinny Smith. And uh, it's just kind of wild that he's, uh, as far as years with the Mavericks, he's one of the vets on the team already. When it feels like it was yesterday, he was this undrafted guy coming out of Florida and the Mavericks were just given a shot in training camp. And so I'm super happy for him. I'm happy for the shots they hit in this game. He had this monster put back dunk that uh, I got super hyped watching. So I was happy for that. But uh, I thought KP hit a couple big shots. He was three or seven from the three point line. Um, <clears throat> DeLon Wright came off the bench, 14 points. But JJ Barea. I mean, Nick tweeted out, we were, you know, we texted about it and we joked of, Hey, you know, he put out the bat signal sign of, for Berea, the you know, Jimmy Collins, a loyal listener to the podcast, Mavs fan uh, on Twitter, you know, after we kind of talked about it on the podcast, like, Hey, we need a bat signal for JJ Berea when the Mavericks offense just isn't, you know, working or they just need a, a jolt, a spark. And, you know, he, he created this Berea bat signal and Nick tweeted it out before halftime. And because we established you have to, this isn't a, when he checks in, then we tweeted out. No, we getting ahead of it. We tweeted out 
of saying we're calling on JJ Barea. And it's funny they came out of the halftime and they started JJ Barea coming out halftime. And I just I love the spark that he gives. Twelve points off the bench in thirteen minutes. And there's just something nice about seeing JJ Barea and LeBron James on the court together again because you know back in the day that's when you know JJ made LeBron his son. And I just love looking back. You know, kind of when you look back on moments and you see. My wife and I, we have a video of our son being born and all that stuff. You know, you kind of look back on those those times and just kind of reminisce about, man, that day that our son was born into the world. And just looking back on this time, you know, in the finals when LeBron, you know, was born and stuff that, you know, LeBron, I mean, JJ being his dad. So that's really cool. And I just love seeing them on the floor together. But he gave it to seem a big spark. I think uh, I'll get into a little bit more what – his role will look like without Tim Hardaway Jr. Obviously, he brings you another playmaker on the floor. He knows what he's doing. I, I, I'm curious on, yeah, I'll get into more of that in a little bit. That's a few Boban minutes in this game. But Ryan Brokoff, Ryan Brokoff came into the game and knocked down a three right off the bat. I I just, I feel like every Ryan Brokoff three is the, is the prettiest three-pointer in the world. And every time, I think it's a given for a lot of Mavs fans out there. Every time he hits the three, you ask yourself, why does he play more? And you're like, man, I told you, he should be playing more. You're like telling yourself, you're talking to yourself as you're uh, watching him play. But yeah, he knocked down. Let's just say, I just want to know what workout plan Ryan Brokoff is on. Because there was a moment in the game, Anthony Davis, all seven foot, six eleven, whatever you want to say, how tall he is, came down the floor and tried to get position on Ryan Brokoff. And Ryan Brokoff threw him to the floor. No acting at all. Anthony Davis would never flop or act and just, you know, fall on the ground. No way. Because Ryan Brokoff is so strong, he would just shove him to the floor. So that was just incredible. Uh, strength by Brokoff. I'm totally, I'm totally bullcrapping that because Anthony Davis tried to get position. It was one of those long. It felt like LeBron threw one of these long outlet passes to to AD. I don't know what every five plays it felt like. And one of these possessions, if you watch the game, you saw Anthony Davis try to get around Brokoff and. Yeah, he fell down. They called a foul on Brokoff, which was one of the plethora of calls that was just. Yeah, I, I don't want to go down that route. But uh, DeLon Wright got it. Man, there's, now it's starting going in my brain of the missed calls, the things that didn't get called or the things that did get called. Uh, there's a Dorian Finney-Smith uh, foul on LeBron as LeBron drove the lane, just kind of shot it too hard, and they called a foul on LeBron. Uh, shout out to Anthony Tolliver for that great foul on LeBron a few nights ago or, or yeah, two nights ago. But – yeah, the re- this wasn't the best of games for the referees, but I I thought right off the bat this was you know Luca he just looked a little sluggish and it's one of those things going back to what I said at the beginning I didn't you know I wasn't really blaming Dallas in this game when you look at a third game in four nights you look at Luca's third game coming back from you know setting out for a couple weeks or five six games whatever you end up missing you know he's still getting his legs back from that. And I'm not trying to make you know excuses any of that. They play the night before. Obviously, the Lakers played the night before too. But it just it just looked they just looked like a different team in my opinion tonight. And uh, kind of all the way around. And I think you know with Luca too, he shot a couple air balls in this game. Something that 
I do, and this, you obviously start, th- you know, questioning things after a loss and you start thinking about things more. And you know, most of the time I don't care about this uh, because man, he, he makes, he literally is one of the best passers in the league and he's magic Johnson, Johnson esque as uh, now I'm drawing a blank. Who said that the other, I guess it was pop after the game, but you know, he makes these incredible passes 99.9% of the time. They're the best decision. It's the right decision and they're accurate passes to guys in the corner on the wing. But it felt like tonight, you know, he had six turnovers tonight. At one point, he only, he almost had three turnovers in a row, but it feels like at times. And I wonder if teams will, uh, one where I'm, we're starting to see some teams try to, or kind of alter how they're defending Luca or how they want to, doesn't always work, but seeing some of these teams start to trap him, you know, coming across half court that, you know, that's been a new thing, Toronto, Houston. Um, I'm drawing a blank who did that the other night, maybe San Antonio, no golden state, you know, did it some, but they're starting. Some teams are starting to not close in on him when he drives, and it's almost like Luca has to kind of reverse this and go back to. Uh, it's he kind of has to um, sway one way or the other, and obviously you want a balance of this of when you drive. You don't want to always just hey Andrew Wiggins syndrome and just put your head down and go for the bucket every time because yeah, that's what draws defenders in. They want to defend it after you get past your primary defender. People's gonna step up in the paint and try to block that shot, obviously. But what's happened is, is sometimes even in this Lakers game, you know, tonight some people are starting to read that Luca pass. People are starting to read the second look, the second, you know, the second pass in the progression as you're moving, as his eyes and his whole mindset in these split seconds are going instead of closing the paint. And some of these plays, I was texting my dad was watching the game too, and I texted my dad and I said, I wish he would try to score a little bit more than what he is because it does feel like sometimes when he gets into the lane or he's driving in the paint, some of these possessions in which he's jumping up in the air and he's trying to go to the you know the opposing corner or a no look pass somewhere else, which are they're accurate passes are great. But sometimes teams are starting to sag off. And I felt like the Lakers did that a few times tonight where instead of closing in on him at the basket, they sagged off on in the kept, you know, at their defenders and, you know, jumped the passing lanes, stole the ball a few times Twin, if Luca jumped up and went for the shot instead. So it might be something I, I want to see how teams do that moving forward. To where if it's if it's a coaching thing uh, from an away team and they start and they know that hey Luca's gonna do this all the time maybe which I mean you pick your poison with Luca if you sag off on him as your primary defender he's gonna do the step back three if you get up on him he's gonna get past you and get to the layup and if you clog the lane and you try to defend the layup when he gets there then he's just gonna hit the open guy so you have to pick your poison but I wonder if teams maybe feel that Luca is going to or feel that Luca is more of looking the pass first right now instead of the scoring thing. And it felt like Lakers was kind of playing that up a little bit. So as crazy as it sounds, I, I want Luca to try to score a little bit more. And in return, if he goes on a scoring spree, you know, he hits 35 to 40 over the next, you know, three or four games, then players, then they might want to collapse the lane more. Then you start passing out a little bit more and you play this back and forth game. But uh, ideally you want to play, you know, be the balance in that and to where you can do the passes and, you know, the shots at the same time. But Dwight Howard, uh, I feel like he dunked the ball 28 times, uh, 30 times, <clears throat> kind of the same vein of talking about Luca and his, you know, driving and passing and stuff. The zone stuff, I, 
I'm intrigued with how much Dallas plays the zone and it's kind of like, Hey, you know, when you go to that restaurant and, but you don't go to the restaurant all the time. It's like this, it's a spot you hit like once a month. And because you know, if you overdo it and you hit it like twice a week, like, dang man, it's really not that good. But if you go once a month and you're like, you know, and you, you spread it out like three weeks before you go to the next, you know, the next time you're like, dang man, I haven't eaten in like three or four weeks. It's pretty good. And then you wait another month. Like, you know, it's kind of a proper thing. I feel like the zone, their zone is kind of like that to where is there, can you overdo the zone? Can you use it too much or too often to where it's not a thing that you keep in your back pocket and you hold on to it and you could just throw it at people. It, it was the, I think it was the heat game the other day against the Sixers. They hadn't been running zone for a bit and they held it kind of in their, their back pocket. And in that last possession that, you know, Tyler hero ended up stealing the ball for NBA and stuff. They threw a zone at, you know, Philly in that last possession. It was kind of a one-time thing. So I wonder, I feel like Dallas is running zone a little bit. They're you know, a little bit more uh, here often. So I, yeah, I just wonder that's something I'm monitoring going forward. Do they use it every single game? And on top of that, how much are they using every single game? I'm intrigued by that too, but let's, um, Hmm. What do we want to talk about this? Let's talk about Tim Hart. Actually, did you have a problem with Luca dabbing up Kobe mid game? I didn't. I personally didn't. I wonder, I haven't been present on Mavs Twitter a ton after the game. I wonder how people felt about it. Luca, if you didn't get to see it, Kobe was setting courtside. Luca was about to take the ball out of bounds. He hadn't had the, he didn't have the ball yet. The ref saw the ball and Kobe was obviously saying a few things to him. Luca turned around, dabbed him up in the middle of the game. I feel like this is one of those okay boomer things to where, you know, yeah, a Shaq and Barkley might get upset with that. You know, if this was on a TNT broadcast, I could totally see it at halftime or going to it after the game. Said, in my game, you don't just do that. You don't do that against somebody. You know, you don't you don't dab up the other team's great Hall of Fame player in the middle of the game. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I could totally see that. But they're also wanting KP in the post. So I didn't have a problem with it. Kobe's Kobe. Um, you know, he's one of those guys like LeBron that Luca probably looked up to growing up. So, and I mean, come on before Luca signed with Jordan brand, he wore Kobe shoes all the time. So, uh, cool seeing, uh, I thought it was cool seeing them dab after the game. I think Brad tweeted out after the game that they had a moment, um, a moment at mid court post game in which they kind of embraced and talked about or talked and all that stuff. But anyway, I just wanted to mention that in there. Rick Carlisle, technical shout out to you. I know, I think we had a board bet on how many techs Carlisle would have, uh, in, in the year. And yeah, uh, he's rolling along with them. He, he deserved that tech and I would have gotten that tech too, because it, yeah, that I would have probably been thrown out of this game for just being honest, but let's take one more break. And then after the break, let's talk about the Tim Hardaway injury and what it means moving forward. Tim Hardaway played six minutes in this game and mainly because he had this play. He kind of got the ball. He was on this fast break. He dunked the balls. Nice play. As soon as he turned around and started to come back up the floor, you saw him kind of grab the back of his leg. And the more he kept moving, the more he got down the floor, he couldn't, he could barely move. It was an obvious hamstring injury. 
and they came back down the floor. They called a timeout, and they had to get him out of the game. He never came back into the game. Uh, right now, as I'm recording this after the game, uh, I don't think they've set a timetable on it. They're putting. I know Rick said they're optimistic about it. That hopefully it's not a long-term thing. That it's uh, more of a day-to-day type of thing. Hardaway wouldn't commit to playing on Tuesday on uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, I would be shocked if he played on Tuesday, if we're just being honest between us. But, yeah, you have to ask yourself. This obviously played into the game, too. I mean, you lose your third leading scorer on the team, and he's not that far away from Porzingis from being the, the second leading scorer on the team. Right now, scoring looks like Luka is averaging 29 a game, Porzingis at 17, and Tim Hardaway Jr. at 14. Nobody else is even in you know double digits at this point. But, you know, you go back to when Rick was still trying to figure out this starting unit. And he put, you know, Seth Curry was a starter. And Seth, you know, had his little injury there. They, you know, had Tim Hardaway come off the bench. They put Hardaway in. And he, I mean, was the definition of taking advantage of the opportunity. He took advantage of the opportunity. He gained that starting spot back. And he's never looked back since. And he's playing amazing basketball. Somebody, I tweeted this out, you know, a few days ago. And I said, Tim Hardaway's having a, you know, he's playing amazing basketball over the past month. And I wish more people knew about it because he gained that reputation with Atlanta or New York and that big contract. And, and as yeah, you know, the reputation he had with that contract and his style of play. And he's having a pretty dang good season in Dallas so far this year. But somebody, somebody, yeah, grabbed the tweet, quote tweeted with his like stat lines and was talking about his shooting, all this stuff. Hey, if you're watching these games, you know, he's playing good basketball right now. And I'll defend that. Like, I think he, he really is. And so them losing him, this is a, kind of a big blow to them, especially, you know, offensively. We've talked about, I mean, his spot-up shooting this year right now, he's literally one of the best spot-up shooters in the league. I, I bring up synergy numbers a lot, but, you know, 28% of his offensive possessions that he's had, uh, which he shot the ball, it's been it's been a spot-up shot. 122 of those possessions scoring 163 points. That's 1.33 points per possession. He's in the 95th percentile with an excellent rating on synergy as far as spot-up shots. If we want to go a step further in that, just put him putting in a minimum possessions of a hundred spot up shots this year, uh, which is a decent amount of you know, people who've had uh, a you know a minimum of a hundred spot up shots. Ranked by points per possession, Tim Hardaway Jr. is your second best spot up shooter in the league, behind Duncan Robinson uh, for the Miami Heat, who is is scoring at one point three five points per possession on one hundred and seventeen of those possessions, but. After the top five of this rankings, Duncan Robinson at one, Tim Hardaway Jr. at two, Langston Galloway, kind of surprising a little bit, uh, Jalen Brown and Nemanja Belica, uh for the Kings. That's Once again, that's minimum of 100 possessions in which it's a spot-up shot ranked by points per possession on that. He's literally one of the best spot-up shooters in the league this season, and uh, he needs to get credit for that. So when you talk about it and somebody from the outside might say, well, okay, if he's out for you know a week or whatever it is, it's Tim Hardaway Jr. Come on, but if you're watching the Mavericks, you know this is a, a decent, decently big deal for them, and for a team that prides itself on their depth, this is where it's going to be tested. What? How do they? 
what what do they do with this? Because I think the natural thing for them is to say, all right, we're just going to plug Seth Curry back in. And I think that's what they'll do. But we, Rick loves to play around with things. Could we see Courtney Lee step into this? Could we see JJ Barea step into this? Could we see, you know, I'm really intrigued. I think the natural thing, and I think what will happen is Seth Curry will just step right into that spot. Like, you, you know, played in, in the past, but We've also seen in the past where Rick says, hey, I don't want to mess up a second unit. I don't want to mess Seth Curry coming off the bench. I don't want to mess up you know, Jalen Brunson coming off the bench. I don't want to mess up DeLon Wright coming off the bench. That's why I'm not mentioning them. I think DeLon Wright and Jalen Brunson stays coming off the bench together because they really like them playing together. When you look at lineups together, three-man lineups for the Mavericks, you look at Tim Hardaway Jr., Tim Hardaway Jr., Porzingis, Dorian Finney-Smith, no Luka. Net, they've played 409 minutes together, net rating of a plus 9.6. When you go down here, this net rating is a plus 12.5. Tim Hardaway Jr., Kristaps Porzingis, Luka Doncic. A net, they've played 368 minutes together, a net rating of plus 12.5. It's pretty dang good. I say that because he's an important part of this team. He's an important piece to go alongside Porzingis and Luka. When Luka goes in and makes those passes out to the outside, he's got to have people that catch and shoot it. And that's what Tim Hardaway's doing the best at right now is hitting those spot-up shots. So looking at the, the upcoming schedule, they obviously have a game on Tuesday. You know, they fly back from L.A. Uh, on Sunday. They'll get back, and then they'll have probably, I want to say, Monday off because they played two days in a row. They'll probably have Monday off. Tuesday is New Year's Eve. That's when this is for the third year in a row. They've played in Oklahoma City uh, for New Year's, which is, you know, what, a couple hours, a couple hours, whatever. But uh, just north of Dallas in OKC. So they'll play the Thunder on Tuesday. And then on Thursday, they'll play the Nets at home on Thursday with a Saturday game versus the Hornets. So I want to see, you know, obviously the Nets, uh, they're kind of in a weird spot right now. Hornets, kind of feisty, Devontae Graham, all that stuff. But this OKC team, I wish the OKC team uh, or the OKC game was the third game as far as these next three games because, Chris Paul and what these, they got some savvy vets uh, for the Thunder right now. So I don't expect Tim Hardaway to play in this game. And I, I'm intrigued with what happens on Tuesday night. They put Seth Curry in there. Do they put somebody else in there? I think it'll be Seth, but uh, this is, a, this is a, a tiny blow to the Mavericks. And it, it's okay to say that because it is Tim Hardaway, but uh, it's a blow for them. I want to see uh, what the long-term diagnosis for this hamstrings are, man, they're, they're a funny, weird injury to heal from. They normally take time and you just got to figure them out. You don't want to rush hamstrings. So uh, I don't even want to speculate on a timeline for this, but I would be shocked if you played Tuesday. We'll see what it looks like moving forward, but full circle I'm not fully you know, upset about this Lakers game where the Mavericks were in the schedule thing. And it was just a weird, funky game for them. And they've played the Lakers really well the past two games and they beat them by 14 in their place, you know, just not too long ago. So I'm not worried about this. They've, yeah, like I said, they've played them well. They have, they have them again coming to town. And I think it was a January 10th, the second week of January that the, the, the Lakers will be back in Dallas again. So that'll be another fun matchup between Luka and LeBron. 
I'm not worried about it. We'll see what it means in standings, you know, towards the end of the year. But all signs right now is in, and everybody's attention right now is on Tim Hardway Jr. And what does Dallas do, you know, with this injury? How do they make up for that? How they move rotation stuff around? And uh, now it's on Rick Carlisle. And let's see if the Mavericks can bounce back on Tuesday. Guys, remember, this was uh, <clears throat> this comes out on Monday. I don't know what the podcast will look like Tuesday through Thursday. We'll see. I think you'll at least have one through there. And then uh, we should be back going good Friday. I know we'll have some, you know, we'll have weekend pods and all that stuff. But y'all are awesome. Thank you for listening. <sighs> Lakers suck. Go Mavs.